When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Game three tonight in Boston. In Boston? What am I saying? Jeez. Holy cow. In Miami. The Celtics are home. They're losers. Go home. And then somehow I'm saying Boston. Yeah, I I don't know. This is another classic example of you fat-handing the show. I don't know if that's fat-handing. That is fat-handing. It's It's figurative fat-handing. It's really just being a moron. Fat-handing, I take legitimately as... I actually use a well, fat that's, hand. That's, and that's, hit in, that's in the literal sense, but you have your hands on the wheel driving the show. Well, in that case, I fat handed it. Exactly. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Nuggets Heat, game three in Miami tonight. Who is the most important player in tonight's game? 888 ESPN, 888 Now, we both believe, I, I would think, that the most important player in tonight's game is Jamal Murray. Yes. Is that fair? Yes. Uh, for me, it's not even necessarily about how they guard Jamal Murray. It's about how Murray is going to adjust to all of that. They did a good job with the passing lanes on Jokic, but Murray has got to get more creative to find ways to be more of a factor than he was the other day. He finished with 18, but really he was stuck on 12 for a while. Those last six, eh, you know, it brought it closer, but it was a little too little too late. Yeah, he only had 10 points through the first three quarters, and his impact on the game was negligible. It's not the Jamal Murray that we've seen throughout the playoffs, and certainly not the guy we saw in game one. But I thought George Niang from the Sixers, who was a guest on Brian Windhorst's podcast, The Hoop Collective, made a great point. The way that the Miami Heat made Jamal worry Murray worked for his shots through the first three and a half quarters could have been one of those things that wears him out and tires him out and makes him not as effective as that second cog in the Denver Nuggets offense. And if they continue to do that, not only is Murray going to continue to struggle, but you're also going to see the role players, the supporting cast for the Nuggets struggle too. Guys like Michael Porter Jr., guys like KCP, Guys that need to get their shots within the natural flow of the game. Uh, even Christian Braun coming off the bench. Like, those guys are important in terms of being able to bolster some of the scoring uh, and not have everything be on Jokic. But if you can shut off the faucet for those guys like the Miami Heat did in Game 2 and continue to make life difficult on Murray by throwing Jimmy Butler at him as the primary defender, then I think Game 3 is going to look more like what we saw on Sunday night. And then it's going to be on other guys if, if it's not Murray. Other guys, role players on the road, never an easy thing. And, and more than role players in Michael Porter, who I think was one of the guys, you know, that specifically was being targeted uh, by what uh, Michael Malone had to say the other night. Mm-hmm. I, I think if that's the case, some of these other guys are going to have to start to make plays so that Murray is, if in fact he can't get going again, that they do have some options. Because what was the stat you gave uh, this morning in our production meeting? Maybe it did on the air last hour, too, about Jokic and the assists. So Jokic in the regular season, when he has six assists or less, the Denver Nuggets are three and seven. 
For that tells you everything in the know. Well, yeah, know. When, when he's not a distributor, it it it. it makes the Denver Nuggets offense not as dangerous. And I, it's not saying that you let Jokic score, but you prioritize defending Jamal Murray and making sure that nobody else in the supporting cast gets off. Guys like Jeff Green can't have a big night shooting from deep. Yeah. You can't let Bruce Brown and Christian Braun be the energy guys coming off the bench. You, you, you can't let KCP go out of control. Like, you have to be able to keep those guys in check. But the other benefit of not letting Jokic thrive as a distributor is that when those guys that are role players for the Nuggets don't get touches on the offensive again, they're less engaged on the defensive end. They are. So yeah. all of a sudden, you're talking about the Miami Heat getting better shots, and more wide, o- more wide open looks. Yeah. That's how you have Caleb Martin and Max Struess and Duncan Robinson bounce back from an atrocious game one where those three combined for two of 23 from the field. In game two, that same trio, nine of 18 from the field, seven of 15 from three. That's what the Miami Heat need. They need to slow down the pace of the game, make it a snail's pace, and knock down the open three-point shots when they get them. And in order to get those open looks as consistently as we've seen them get throughout the postseason, they got to make sure that the Denver Nuggets role players aren't as engaged on the defensive side of the ball. Just four assists in Game 2 for Jokic. He, of course, had the 41, but we've talked about that a ton. Canty and Carlin in for Grinny on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. And then there's this. Mm. Everybody's ears going to perk up a little bit, especially down in Miami. I'm sorry, what? What? what, what? I'm sorry, what? what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? what? Our guy Brian Custer. He's got his last stand podcast all about boxing. And it turns out Damian Lillard, huge boxing fan. Yeah. Went on the podcast. But with this, with this soundbite from Lillard, mm. Trailblazers fans are taking a punch in the face. Uh-oh. And, and maybe the rest of the Eastern Conference, too. And it might be a haymaker from the Heat. Take a listen. Everybody keeps saying Damian Lillard is going to be traded to the Knicks. Damian Lillard's going to be traded to the Heat. Damian Lillard should be traded to the Celtics. Damian Lillard's going to be traded to the Nets. If one of those trades went through out of those teams, which one would you be like, "Eh, that's not too bad? (laughs) Miami, obviously. (laughs) Miami is the obvious one. And Bam is my dog. Rut row. Yeah, and, and we actually had a chance to chop it up with B-Cuss before we came on the air, and he says that Damian Lillard texts or calls Bam Adebayo every day. Oh, boy. Every day. Every oh day. Boy. Now, I don't know what the Heat salary cap situation is moving forward. I think they do have their draft picks and picks. Like, if the Miami Heat were able to pull off that kind of move and keep Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, you're talking about that big three? With Heat culture, the Miami Heat are back in the NBA Finals next year. Back in the Finals next year. And here's the other thing, big fella. We keep talking about if and when we're going to see Tyler Hero in this series. Maybe the Miami Heat are looking at it and saying, we don't believe that we necessarily need Tyler Hero to win this NBA Finals. And if we don't need him to win the Finals, then why don't we make sure he's completely healthy just in case we might have to trade him this summer? Bubble wrap. Just in case we no might need. have to move Tyler Hero, no need. a 23-year-old player that's a 20-point-a-night scorer, former six-man of the year, maybe we keep him in bubble wrap just in case we got to trade him this offseason in order to bring over another superstar to pair with Jimmy and Bam out of body. Now, the Heat have do not have a first-round pick this year, mm-hmm. but they've got the picks here in the next three years. 
coming. Okay. And beyond that. So they, they've got picks. Yeah, so we've got pick picks, swaps. Picks and pick swaps. Yep. What are your three unprotected first-round picks in pick swaps? And, and Tyler Hero, can we get something done? Can we get something done? I, I, can we get yeah. something done? Take on some salary that the Trailblazers don't want? Can we get something done? Boy, if I were the Blazers fans, I would hate that so much. Hey, listen. Hold on, hold on. No, no, no. So, no, no Hang on. I just want to do better in a trade for Lillard. That's all. I want to do better than Tyler Hero. Well, you can picks. say you want to do better, but at what point do you have to do right by Lillard? Yeah, I understand. That, that. that that's my thing. Like, like he's been loyal to the soil with the Portland Trailblazers. I ain't saying you give him away for nothing, but at some point you got to say we tried to build around you. You gave us that commitment. You signed an extension a couple of years back. We, we, we've tried and we failed you. We've cycled through head coaches. We've cycled through front office uh, executives, general managers. At what point do you say, you know what, Dame, where do you want to go? You've earned that. Yeah. And let him go down to South Beach with Pat Riley and Eric Spolster. Wouldn't you like to see Dame Lillard in a situation where he doesn't have to overcome coaching, where oh, he yeah. doesn't have to overcome the general manager, when he doesn't have to overcome the president of basketball ops? I know I would. Let's see him in a functional environment. The Miami Heat are the definition of a functional environment. Yeah, the they definition are. of it. They are. I just can it be a contender where I can get a little more? <laughs> like, here's the thing. I've never been a Tyler Hero fan personally. Okay. I don't think he's I don't think he's a great cornerstone player, but I, I understand that I have to do right by Dan Lillard because if there's ever been anybody as an NBA player who's been more loyal than Dame Lillard in the last 15 years, I haven't seen him. Because yeah. he's done everything he can to try to help the city of Portland win a championship, and he hasn't come close because he hasn't gotten any help. Yeah, I'm with you. And if you're looking at it from the Blazers' perspective, they don't get a lot of free agents picking them this time of year. Like, it's not a free agent destination. Yeah. They need hostages. Yep. They don't get volunteers. Yep. So you would like to get something of significance back in that trade. But at the same time, I think the priority has to be doing right by Bam out of by. I mean, doing right by Damian Lillard. And 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 Dame says that Bam is his dude. Like he's saying that. Like that's his guy. His dog. That's his, his dog. dog. That's his like so it just it just feels like that's a situation that would be ready made for for Dame in terms of being with a championship contender. And for Tyler, going from Miami to Portland. I mean, you talk about the exact opposite. The only worst place would be going to Salt Lake City. Why are you going to disparage Portland as a Portland's city? a beautiful city. Uh, it's a, not Miami. A shot. It's not Miami. I mean, what place is Miami? I'm talking about a, a young 23-year-old player. I'm going from Miami to Portland. I'm not feeling great about it. That's all. I love Portland. But I am an older guy who can appreciate beauty and what that city is. It's a tremendous city. Well, all you, he's thinking is, what do the clubs look like in Portland? Not what they look like in Miami. Well, that's what the offseason is for, my friend. <laughs> That's what planes are for, too. Maybe you're not in Miami, but you can bring Miami to you. That's what the all-star break is for. (laughs) Here you can bring Miami to you. Yeah. Uh, Nile in Queens, up next on ESPN Radio. Joining us, Canty and Carlin. What's up, Nile? Who you got tonight as the most important player? I'm going to say it's Aaron Gordon, you know. On the defensive end, if he's uh, making stops on Jimmy Butler, making Jimmy Butler give up the ball, they know that the role players on the Heat are shooting well now. They can shut that down. Now, and if that good defense, it translates to offense. He's one of the best rim runners in the whole NBA. You get Jokic getting long rebounds. You get turnovers. It's Gordon on the break, and he's almost unstoppable. It's not even Gordon on the break so much. It's just he has been a great fit for that team, especially on the defensive end. Like, 
I, I don't know that I can go as far as to say that he's the most important player for either team tonight. No, I mean, and you saw what the shakeup at the lineup for the Heat did for Miami defensively. Like putting Kevin Love in the game, so now you have double bigs in for Miami. You can match the front line size of the Denver Nuggets at least for a little while while you can keep Bam and and K-Love on the floor at the same time. But the most important aspect of it is that you free up Jimmy Butler. Now he doesn't have to defend Aaron Gordon. He can defend Jamal Murray, and that length gives Jamal Murray trouble. And that also forces Michael Malone to be more creative in terms of being able to get shots for Jamal, running him off of ball screens, double ball screens, DHOs, all of those different things. Like, it it becomes a lot tougher to get Murray engaged in the offense. And also, you're asking Murray to do a lot more in terms of running around on the offensive side of the ball as well as the defensive side of the ball. So I, I just, I have a hard time believing that Aaron Gordon is going to be the key and then he talks about the fact that you want to get out in transition. Here's the deal. The Denver Nuggets had 23 points off of turnovers. Like, there were a lot of live ball turnovers by the Miami Heat in, in game two. The Denver Nuggets had 23 points and still lost. So I, I don't know if that necessarily is the key for them. I would say finding a way to get the ball to Jamal Murray in his spots where he can be a scorer and then also allow him to be a distributor to other role players. I think that's going to be critical. We get a preview of Game 3 coming up tonight in 20 minutes from Rosgold on Wude, who will be on the call right here on ESPN Radio. Nuggets and the Heat. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Tune in for Game 3 tonight. It is presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and Sirius XM Channel 80. little more NFL next. Why aren't the New York Jets taking care of their best player? Canty and Carlin for Greeny on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today 
to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. Earlier today on Greeny. Game three tonight in Boston. Boston, what am I saying? Jeez, holy cow, in Miami. The Celtics are home, they're losers. Go home. This is another classic example of you fat-handing the show. I don't know if that's fat-handing. That is so fat-handing. It's, it's figuring it's fat-handing. It's really just being a moron. Fat-handing, I take legitimately as I actually use a well, fat that's, hand. That's, that's, in, that's in the literal sense. But you have your hands on the wheel driving the show. Maybe it's more fat-heading the show. No, I like it better my way. Fat-handing the show. Mm, I don't know. Fat-handing the show. You're, if you're driving the show... That's a, that's a figure of speech in the industry. You're driving the show. Yeah. The implication is you've got your hand on the wheel. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you swerve the show off the rails, off the road, you are literally fat-handing the show. Eh, I get it. I take the more of the literal sense of I hit two buttons at once with my sausage fingers. Okay. Can't- <laughs> Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app... What is it exactly that has the Jets holding off here on paying Quinn and Williams? I mean, look, we, we know that it'll get done eventually here, but Kitty, this is the Jets' best player, and we understand what we're saying when we say that. Now, this was interesting from Robert Sala yesterday uh, in his press conference, very confident about the situation. I speak for everyone. I probably speak for Quinton in that we, we all want it to get done uh, sooner rather than later. Again, I'll let the business guys handle all that stuff, but it's going to get done. He'll be here for camp. He'll be ready to roll. And once he is, I'm sure he'll be the same guy he was a year ago. Now, let me ask you this. The defensive tackle market, uh, as we know, has really blown up. Jeffrey Simmons got paid. Dexter Lawrence got paid. Deron Payne got paid. They both, they all got. Hargrave got paid this offseason. Hargrave, too. Um, They are all in the range of 22.5 to 23.5 million a year. That ain't going to get it done. Aaron Donald's at 31.7 million. Yeah, it's going to be closer to that end of the spectrum if we're talking about a long term deal for Quentin Williams. But like you said, those other deals and the Aaron Donald outlier is what complicates it. Now, for my money, Quentin Williams is the best defensive tackle in all of football. The guy had 12 sacks, but think about this. As a defensive tackle, he had 28 quarterback hits. Yeah. 28 quarterback hits. Like this guy got a first plate vote for defensive player of the year. That's how good he was. Like, there are only two other people that got votes. Like, so think about it. He's one of those three guys that got votes for defensive, first place votes for defensive player of the year. That's how dominant he is, how much of a game wrecker he is. So I can understand if you're in his camp, if you're his agent, why you would want the figure to be somewhere in the high 20s or low 30s in terms of average annual value. But Again, it puts you more toward the outlier that is Aaron Donald as opposed to where the rest of the marketplace is. Does Quinnen Williams deserve to get more than Aaron Donald right now? You can make a case for it. He's a better player than Aaron Donald is right now. I would say, yeah. It's, he's, he's sl- he, he, I would give him ever so slightly. If I had to pick one, I would take Quinnen Williams. And that's because because, of because obviously there's more runway. He's a younger player. Right. But right. in terms of his sheer dominance, not just against the pass, but also against the run, I would go with Quinnen, and he's a bigger body. So, I, I mean, do, do you make the case that he deserves more? Yeah, but here's the other problem with that. 
T.J. Watt, a guy that won Defensive Player of the Year, getting paid $28 million a year. Can you justify paying Quentin Williams more than one of the premier edge guys in the league? Can, think, you, do, can you do that? I think in this case you can, and here's why. Chris, I got to win now. I went to get Aaron Rodgers. I solved my biggest problem on the offensive side to win right now. And I understand that I might be changing the dynamic of what the market is mm-hmm. at that point. Sorry, I'm not giving him the Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed $230 million. Okay. That's not what's happening here. I'm giving Quinn and Williams a number that is befitting of what Quinn and Williams means to my team. He is my best player, not best defensive player. And even some of you might be saying sauce, that's fine. He is my best player, and I am trying to win a Super Bowl right now. Why would I screw around with this? Like, I understand the business side of it. I get that, okay? If the Jets are at a number like, and I don't know exactly where they are. Yeah. If they're at like 24 or 25, I'm sorry. You got to up your game here a little bit. This has got to be north in the 28 million range per year. That's, and I get TJ Watt signed that. That's fair. And he also signed it in Pittsburgh. They rarely they rarely make somebody the highest-paid player. And he signed that a year ago. Right. So, uh, again, I- I'm with you. Like, the economics of the league have changed. The salary cap went up, what, $16 million this yeah. offseason. But you said you understand the business side of it. There is also the precedent aspect of it that you have to contend with. Because think about it. If you're the New York Jets with what uh, Joe Douglas has done in terms of hitting on a lot of draft picks, you got to contend with a Sauce Gardner deal in the next couple of years. You got to contend with an Elijah Vera Tucker deal in a couple of years. You also got to deal with Garrett Wilson deal in a couple of years. Do you want to be about the business of setting a precedent where you're signing guys to outlier type of contracts when it comes to average annual value based on what the top of the market already is? One of the benefits of a team signing a guy up while he has multiple years left of team control is that it's going to inevitably be a team-friendly deal. Well, if I'm paying Quinn and Williams $28, $29, $30 million a year, it's not exactly team-friendly. I I get that. What am I thinking about here? While Aaron Rodgers is still in the NFL, I'm thinking about the next two years. And I can get away with not paying any of those guys in the next two years. So whatever happens beyond this 2023, 2024 doesn't matter. To me, right now, I got to get this done. Yeah, This has to get done. Well, well, here's why I think it will get done. First of all, Rob Sala said it, but the team also canceled their minicamp. That's the only mandatory activity in the offseason. Yeah. And guess what? They would not have been able to forgive the fines had they had the minicamp if Quinn and Williams stayed away. So there seems to be a little bit of give in terms of what the Jets are willing to do. I think this does inevitably end up getting done, and I would bet that it would be closer to the Aaron Donald contract as opposed to the other defensive tackle contracts we've seen signed this offseason. In moments, we go inside the locker rooms for the NBA Finals tonight. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. The finals on ESPN Radio. Murray step back for the tie at three. No good. Rebound Miami. They need a bloody. Let's talk about effort. I mean, this is NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys thought I was just making up some storyline after game one, but I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. Game three is tonight right here on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin in for Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're coming to you live from the seaport, brought to you by Patron. Perfection starts with Patron. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Most important player, most important aspects of game three. And frankly, it might seem a little simple, but who is game three more important for? Canty and I believe it's both uh, the Nuggets that have to win this game tonight. Jay Will earlier today said he believes it's the Heat. 888-SAY-ESPN. Lines are open. We get to your calls in just five minutes right now. We head down to Miami. Welcome in. Roz Golden-Wude of the NBA on ESPN Radio. She has got the call tonight along with Mark Kestisher, PJ Carlissimo, and Doris Burke. Roz, it's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty. We appreciate a few minutes. All the coverage begins 7.30 p.m. tonight. And first up, Tyler Hero. We read your tweet from the other day uh, about talking to Tyler Hero prior to Game 2. We know that he is out tonight. Uh, what did you learn from him about this injury and maybe what his prognosis is for the rest of this series? Well, right ahead of uh, Game 2, I was on the court, um, saw Tyler Hero, and had a chance to chat with him and asked him what was the hardest part about you know coming back and what's coming back easy. And he said, well, the hard part is after he shoots, He's experiencing some uh, soreness and swelling. And the swelling is actually on the top of his hand where the the scar is from the surgery. And it looks pretty big and raised, but he said it can get really big after shooting. And he can feel the soreness in the actual follow-through motion of his shot, which, um, you know, is is, something to think about. And um, while we were talking, he also uh, discussed, like, just the human side of it, that he was, you know, there was some worry or concern about coming back and what if he disrupted the the rhythm of a team that's been making this great run. And it's something that he has thought about. It's something he's talked about with Coach Spo. And um, for him, I think, you know, it's just a matter of making sure that the timing is right. You know, one, that he feels good, that his hand is healed. And then two, that, um, you know, he feels confident and comfortable with whatever situation, you know, the coaches put him in to come back. Um, so I think while there was hope that he would be back for game two, um, you know, for Tyler, there were some reasons to put pause on that and, and just make sure the timing was right. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't play in these finals. It's just more nuanced than that. And um, perhaps um, 
the conversation around when he would come back was a little aggressive at first and in earlier reports. So um, I also think, you know, look, the Heat managed to steal game two. That probably, and this is my opinion, you know, takes a little bit of pressure and heat off of uh, rushing Tyler back and, you know, buys him some time to properly pick the right time. But as far as what he's doing with the team, everything. Um, He's been participating in all contacts, scrimmages, playing with other players on the court. And from what I've heard, he looks good. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, weighing out all of these considerations. Ross, staying on the injury front, I want to ask you how healthy Jimmy Butler is. And the reason why I pose the question is because starting the playoffs, he had scored, he had had four 30-plus point games in the five games in against the Milwaukee Bucks. He had the ankle turned in game one against the New York Knicks, and since then, only one 30-plus point performance. So, again, how healthy is Jimmy Butler in game three of these NBA Finals? You know, I'm not aware. I mean, I think everybody's playing through some kind of banged-upness. Jimmy hasn't looked exactly the same, but I will say, you know, the opponent that he's seeing is different too. The Celtics and uh, the Nuggets, have multiple defenders that can can put pressure on Jimmy. Um, they have a diversity of defender, uh, unlike with the Bucks, where they just gave him a steady diet of Drew Holiday, um, which he was able to anticipate and 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 you know handle um, eventually and get comfortable. You know the Celtics had multiple guys on him, different sizes, different speeds. Uh, same thing right now for the Nuggets. You could. You know, we saw in game one, Michael Porter Jr. have some nice moments against him with the block mm-hmm. or uh, Aaron Gordon bringing size and strength and mobility um, to the matchup. You know, so um, there's a lot of different looks, but I, I can't speak to whether or not the ankle is what's messing him up. Ross Golden, Wude with us of the NBA on ESPN Radio. She's on the call tonight along with Kesty and PJ and Doris Burke of Game 3 of the of the uh, finals right here on ESPN Radio. You know, we heard Michael Malone call out his team the other day. Now, that's nothing new. He has done that throughout the course of the year a few times. But how do you expect them to kind of respond off of what he said, especially when it comes to effort? Well, I spoke with um, Contavious Cowell-Pope, KCP, yesterday, and he agreed. He thought it was the right read um, and that he he didn't feel that there was anything wrong with the statement. In fact, the way he put it to me, Contavious Cowell-Pope, he said, we played as though we didn't like each other. Uh, <laughs> you know, as though, like, like, you know, just not communicating, like we didn't want to talk with one another, and that was problematic for the team. So, um Look, if it's not like Coach is pointing out something that is untrue or, you know, this is the NBA Finals. There's five games left, left max. You know, leave the feelings at the door and, and let's move with some urgency out there. The, the fact that there were so many miscommunications against the three-point shot defensively, that shooters were shooting open shots multiple times, that's a problem. Um, and... The fact that, the, that there's a team out there that wasn't able to stop the bleeding or make the adjustment. I was outside of the Nuggets huddle a few times, and Ryan Saunders on the assistant coaching staff literally is in the huddle with a laptop showing them video in real time of their defensive breakdowns against the three-point shot. And they just you know, could not communicate through it and made so many mistakes. And actually, in the day between, uh, during practice, Coach Malone told us, look, we sh- I showed them 17 clips of breakdowns and there were just so many 
lapses and lack of communication moments. So um, this is on them now. Like the coaches have pointed it out. They were doing it in game. They were doing it in practice. Now it's about the players putting action to the instruction. Roz, after game two, Coach Eric Spolster scoffed at the idea that the strategy for the Heat was to let Jokic get his and to shut everybody else from the Denver Nuggets down. But if we look at the record throughout the playoffs, the Denver Nuggets are 0-3 when Jokic scores 40-plus points. So do you anticipate the Miami Heat using more single coverage on Jokic and prioritizing defending Jamal Murray and shutting down the rest of the role players game three and moving forward throughout the rest of the series? Yeah, I mean, so it's it's funny, like, Coach Spo seemed to have an emphatic response when asked about, did you make Jokic a scorer? Um, and perhaps it's more just, look, the numbers don't lie. Even Coach Kerr came on a podcast and said that's something that we did when for the Warriors against Jokic. Uh, Jokic's impact, is so much about it is him recognizing what the defense is giving and making his teammates better, too. Um, Jokic is capable of dominating the game without shooting or um, or taking, there's not really anyone who can defend him one-on-one. Um, and so, you know, there were moments where he was like just straight up attacking Zeller, and we were like, dang, that's crazy that they're keeping Zeller on him one-on-one. There's not really anybody who could stay one-on-one with Jokic, but certainly not Zeller. And in some ways, you realize you're trading twos, um, you're not getting other players involved, um, and on the other end, the Heat were able to keep the game close and tight, and um, that's exactly the type of game that they feel very comfortable in. So it was almost like I was joking with Vince Carter. Was it? Is it like did they put cheese in a mousetrap for the Nuggets, where they kind of ate that up and you know Jokic saw cheese and attacked, but it really was you know part of a grander scheme. Um, so, I, but I do really believe that Jokic is so multidimensional and high intellect that he is you know aware of how he can take advantage of the game. I also want to point out. The great, you know, the, the really strong defense, especially in in game two of Bam Adebayo um, on Jokic, which is hard. It's a hard challenge. And Bam's been putting in work on both ends of the court, physical, arduous, like take the breath away work on the glass, on uh, in pace, in defense, on offense. Um, and sometimes it's, it's thankless work, and he's been great on both ends too and, and also against Jokic. Raj, great stuff. Have a great call tonight. We appreciate a few minutes. All right, thanks, guys. Raj Golden Wude, NBA on ESPN Radio tonight. She of the, of course, the former Stanford guard as well. She is with uh, Kesty and PJ and Doris Burke tonight. Seven thirty p.m. Eastern begins our coverage on ESPN Radio with the great Kevin. Winter. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Most important player tonight, and who is this game most important for? Lines are open. Let's hit him. Brad is up first on ESPN Radio. Brad, what do you think? Uh, Morning. I would just like to say that I think um, Spolstra, he's not on the court, but he's definitely the Heat's most important player. Every single series, he's been the best coach. Um, and he's out-coached every single team that he's played against. Uh, he was masterful in game one, two, and seven in Boston. He was masterful. I thought in game one and two in Denver, too. Um, I think to her point to uh, the open threes or, or, or the fact that those threes are being open uh, were, were consistent in both games. We just happened to hit more in game two. I definitely think this game is more important for Denver um, because they see – 
that they can't just beat us physically and dominate us and just throw the ball around, but that there's going to be, um, you know, chippiness back and we're going to be physical as well. I, I, I thought it was a really defining win in Spolstra's career uh, in game two, and I think this is going to cement him as one of the greatest coaches in NBA history with this uh, finals run after we finish it in game six with Jimmy holding the MVP trophy. Are, are you on the end of the bench? or <laughs> I'm just so, a diehard Heat fan, have so been. Since we started with Ronnie Cycli, I get it. So, well, yeah. Listen, those were paying your dues. You, you can say you can say we if you were rooting for the teams as <laughs> Ronnie Cycli. You're damn right. Exactly. But you know what? We saw it at the end of the game too, right? Michael Malone had two timeouts going into that last possession after Bruce Brown got the rebound and didn't choose to use a timeout to save time, advance the ball to half court because he didn't want to allow Eric Spolstra to set up his defense, and that's a prime example of the coach impacting what you're seeing on the court. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think that Eric Spolstra is going to play a huge role in terms of the outcome for Game 3. And the question is, what's going to be the counterpunch for Michael Malone and the Denver Nuggets now that Spo has gone with the double big starting lineup? Now that Kevin Love is in the starting lineup with Bam Adebayo, now that the Miami Heat can throw Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray as the primary defender, what's going to be the counter for Michael Malone and the Denver Nuggets to that? Michael Porter has got to be a factor tonight. Michael Porter has got to be a factor. He cannot have a night like he did the other night. Yeah, he was a no-show. I'm not going to say And he got called out by his coach. Like, you got to think, that's who Michael Malone was talking to, right? I I absolutely believe that. Him, Aaron Gordon, KCP, like, those guys have got to be better defensively as well as knock down open shots. And because they didn't get involved in the flow of the game on the offensive side, I think it hurt their effort defensively. And that's what he was saying. You can't coach effort when we're talking about NBA finals. The effort aspect of it is a prerequisite. Yeah. That's table stakes, though. You shouldn't even have to be talking about it. No, not at this point. We're playing for a championship. Nope. Lucas next, ESPN Radio. Lucas, what's going on, dude? Not much. Much respect to the last caller. Um, But anyways... The most important player tonight, I think, is Bam Adebayo. He has to keep averaging 20 and 10, the same way Shaq did in 06 with D-Wade. Our bench players, I believe they're in a better flow, better rhythm. They're just going to come through. We don't have hero, but we have grinders. So, hey, we have plenty. It could be a whole buffet. Yeah, here's the thing about Bam, though. Listen, I get it with Bam. It has to be like what he did in game two as opposed to game one because you can't have 23 on 25 shots. That can't be what it is. I mean, bam, 25 shots is, you know, that's but, a bit But much. nobody played good in game one. No. And, and we knew they wouldn't. Mm. Like, we knew they wouldn't. I mean, seven-game series, the team that's waiting for you has had over a week of rest, and you're playing at altitude. Pat, next, ESPN Radio. Pat, what do you got? Hey, uh, I'm seeing the same thing with these Heat fans. I think Bam is probably the most important player. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, definitely for sure, gentlemen. They got to they take care of it on the offense and defensive glass. I mean, Kevin Love, he had 10 rebounds in 22 minutes last game. Porter, Gordon combined 13 rebounds. It was a 64 minutes of play. Listen, Kevin Love in the lineup the other night after a DNP in game one, it made all the difference in the world for them. Yeah. Made all the difference in the world. No doubt him. about it. And it freed up Bam a little bit to be that point center and kind of facilitate as well. Like, Bam was doing a good job of being able to dish the basketball. I think another thing that the Heat did well from game one to game two, they were more aggressive in trying to get to the basket. They only had two free throw attempts in game one. They had 20 free throw attempts in game two. So being able to attack 
the rim, getting into the paint, getting more shot opportunities there is only going to help their cause going up against a more talented team in the Denver Nuggets. Play of the night, quickly, 10 seconds. Are we taking the heat this evening? Yeah, we're taking the heat. Let's roll. Okay. I think heat you're culture. Your- Carlin for the culture. Let's go. All right. Well, we'll roll with the heat. Oh, boy. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.